Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. In London, I'm Stefan Cohn. And in Olympia, Washington, I'm Andrea Ballard. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're kicking off a month jam-packed with celebrations. It's National Apple, Pumpkin, Caramel, and Cookbook Month, and we'll do our best to pay tribute to all of them. First up, Amish apple dumplings, individual apple pies that are adorable and delicious. We'll also introduce a new mini-segment, The Importance of Ingredients, and talk about the perfect apples for all your baking needs. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, you sure are right. October is jam-packed with celebrations, and I wanted to talk about National Cookbook Month really quickly. I know, October. Fantastic time of the year. Yeah. We put a post up on our Facebook group, and we were getting some real winners from our listeners who I um, was not surprised to see love the classics like Betty Crocker and um, Taste of Home and some of those that I've used for years. But the one that really threw me back, and I had completely forgotten about it, was Ingrid. And she mentioned uh, Nathalie Dupree's Matter of Taste, and that reminded me of her PBS cooking show. I looked it up. It um, debuted on PBS in 1986, which I realized is the year I graduated from high school. And it reminded me that when I went off to college, you know, that was really kind of the first time I was cooking on my own for myself. And that was one of the shows that I would watch on Saturdays on PBS. And it was, you know, new Southern cooking. And it was very much for the everyday cook. It was nothing fancy. And there were a lot of... um, suggestions and things to make your life easier. And it was not Martha Stewart perfection by any means. So I found it very accessible. So thank you to Ingrid for reminding me of how much I love Natalie Dupree and her cooking show and her cookbooks. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, we're getting great recommendations. And we want to keep seeing them listeners because we have a segment coming up that will talk more in depth about people's favorites. And some will be new to us, absolutely. And some will be old favorites. So can't wait to see what what's out there. Yeah. Well, speaking of celebrations, we had another one at my house recently. It was my husband's birthday. And he said, can you make me a banana split cake? And I said, of course I can make you a banana split cake. (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) Absolutely. So what I ended up doing, um, Andrea, I used that really delicious banana cake that we had made a few episodes ago from the kitchen. And it was a banana blueberry cake. I just took the blueberries out, and I want to tell everyone it works great without those blueberries also. I also uh, put it in two uh, nine-inch round pans, and that worked very well also. It was still really, really moist. We had loved that. It had a really strong banana flavor. That's something we also took note of in the original So I had that as the base, and then I just kind of zhuzhed it up like you would a banana split. So I had scoops of chocolate, scoops of vanilla ice cream, whipped cream, cherries, peanuts, uh, strawberry sauce, hot fudge, and I'll tell you what. Oh, my God. There's nothing wrong with a banana split cake. (laughs) 
know, this makes me remember that your son for his birthday requested a checkerboard cake, and now your husband requests a banana split cake. What are they reading, or where are they getting these ideas? I find it so cute that they come up with these ideas for cakes for you. Yeah, the checkerboard remains a mystery. I think, in fact, I know the banana split was something that he had seen on Food Network, I think. Um, Katie Lee, I don't, I'm not familiar with Katie Lee, but she, I think she has kind of like a Long Island aesthetic. That's her kind of lifestyle brandish thing. And she did a frozen banana split cake. I okay. love the consistency and the moistness of the banana cake that that I used for this recipe for banana bread in general. So I thought freezing it was not the route I wanted to go. So I just chose to use that and then put the put the ice cream sundae fixings on top. And yeah, I'm a little sorry I did because now I know how just utterly delicious that is. Banana bread is not bad with ice cream and whipped cream on top. So <laughs> I won't ever just be content with a single slice again. Well, Andrea, to kick off our month of Fall Festival, that's what we are terming all of these celebrations in October, we are going to introduce an Amish apple dumpling from Midwest Living magazine. Andrea, I know you are a really big pie maker. Have you ever made an apple dumpling? I have never made an apple dumpling. Okay, so the general uh, description of this is the best way I can describe it is to think of a whole apple, and it's going to be peeled and cored, and you are going to wrap it in in a piece of pastry and cook it. So kind of like an apple-shaped mini pie. And we're going to put a very simple homemade caramel on top and serve that with either ice cream or whipped cream or both. Uh, I was, I know one thing we have in common, many things we have in common, Andrea, but you and I both did in various stages in our life, a thing where we would cook or bake one thing kind of over and over and over. And I went through a period in college where I made apple dumplings kind of ad nauseum and I love them still. I just think they're so cute. They're perfectly portioned. We've talked in the past about individually sized portions. We like that. And they, um, yeah, they're they're really cute. There's there's work involved because you're still um, peeling and coring the apple, but you know you're not slicing it. There's not a lot of that labor involved. So I am really looking forward to this recipe. Now, truth be told, I don't exactly know what makes it Amish. Do you have any insight into that? Just- I I saw no um, zippers, so perhaps. <laughs> You are no, using the oven, no so <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the name was so cute, uh, the Amish apple dumplings. But I agree with you. I don't know what makes it Amish, unless the Amish were fond of this particular dish, perhaps. Yeah, or just maybe like an apple dessert in general. I guess I could see that too. So um, it's a pretty straightforward recipe. The crust, Andrea, I wanted to chat with you about briefly too. It's a Crisco crust. But it does something that I believe one of your pie-making friends does, which is for the liquid portion, it is ice water, but then also an egg and a little bit of vinegar. And I think you've told us in the past that that one of your pie-making buddies does something similar. Am I remembering that? You are correct. Okay. That is 
um, Mary Beth's Reliable Pie Crust Recipe, which is on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. And yes, she does hers in the food processor, but you could do it in a bowl as well. So you have your flour and your fat, whether that's, you know, butter or shortening or leaf lard, and you mix that up. And then you crack an egg into a cup measure and beat it. Add in a teaspoon of vinegar, and then you fill the cup measure to the half cup mark with cold water. And then that's what you mix into the flour shortening mixture. Yeah, so that sounds really similar to what's going on in this recipe, too. And, you know, I think that it's not... Uh, anything particularly special about this crust, if you want to go ahead and make this with your your own favorite crust, uh, I think that would probably work just fine. I'm going to challenge myself to find Crisco in England. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> what a challenge that will be. Won't it? I know. I think I'm going to start at Whole Foods because the Whole Foods here is is massive. The the London flagship Whole Foods is just the biggest. It's almost one of the biggest grocery stores I've been in full stop anywhere. It's just massive. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, it's an American chain. Maybe I'll have some good luck there. So I will report back next week, not only on the uh, outcome of the recipe, but if I were indeed able to find Crisco. So Okay. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I probably will skip the shortening. So I'll I'll update next week on, on what I decide to do, whether it's butter or some type of butter leaf lard combination. Um, my When I saw the recipe title and I saw the word dumplings, I thought to myself, the only kind of dumplings I've ever made are um, chicken dumplings. And so in my head, it was, I thought this recipe was going to be a little more like um, for some reason, I guess I thought it was going to be like almost a little apple fritter or like a, a little ball of apple goodness that was deep fried or something. Mm. So I was getting geared up for some deep frying. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll have to uh, talk myself down from that now that I know it, it's not going to involve that. But the other thing that came to my mind when I saw this recipe title is one of my favorite childhood movies, The Apple Dumpling Gang. Oh, no. I know. Do you remember that yes, one? <laughs> yes. I know. Um, it's just like a happy, cozy, in general, October, fallish apple desserts. I just, I feel yeah. wrapped in a cotton, you know, cashmere blanket right now just talking about yes. it. So uh, I know. When you think of uh, Tim Conway and Don Knotts doing their sort of bumbling, you know, thing in the movie, I did look it up to check my memory and make sure I was right. And it was a Disney's big hit movie in 1975. So I would have been seven, seven years old. And I I mean, I imagine I was just the prime target. I, I'm sure uh, that was my favorite movie that year, because I still remember it, you know. And so I am a little younger, but I think I remember... <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it. Do you you remember this probably? Uh, Disney used to have movies. They would show movies on like Saturday afternoons. They'd have like Wide yes. World of Sports, mm-hmm. and then there was like the Disney movie, <laughs> and there was always like a Return to Witch Mountain. That was one of my favorites, oh, also one of my. Favorites. But I remember watching yes. Apple Dumpling Gang on that. So yeah, yes. or Herbie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> yes, so many. Well, movies. and there was 
there was a sequel to Apple Dumpling Gang, which I didn't know. It came out in 1979. But the only stars that repeat, reappeared were um, Tim Conway and Don Knotts. And the the father and the three kids and all the people who sort of made the movie were not in it. So they said it was not very successful, which maybe is why I missed that particular one. All right. Well, skip that sequel, listeners, and just go for the classic. Well, maybe perhaps while you're eating your Amish apple dumpling. So you can have a real oh. a real theme, theme dessert day. <laughs> Although I do want to make a little warning because especially since you mentioned Witch Mountain, um, my memory of this movie is that it was very cute and wholesome. And I would want to say watch this with your child. But I recently rewatched Witch Mountain with my child and it was scary. Yes. In general, movies I remember as being kind of carefree and lighthearted from my childhood. I will watch them now, and I'll, I'll think, what? <laughs> what is going on here? This was a child's yes. movie. Yes, and they'll, you know, they'll have things like um, – you know, the children getting kidnapped or the children killing someone. I mean, it won't be gory or violent, but it will be kind of shocking the things you see kids do in the 70s. Yes, don't stumble into the Apple Dumpling Gang movie uh, like Andrea's stumbling into the Apple Dumpling recipe thinking of a deep fat, fat fry and <laughs> you really want to know right. what you're getting into. So I know. Forewarned is forearmed, so be careful, <laughs> very, very listeners. Good. Yeah. Well, remember, we'll have a link to the Amish apple dumpling recipe on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Pinterest and our Facebook group page. So, Andrea, we are introducing a new mini segment. Drum roll, please. It is called The Importance of Ingredients, and we thought we would kick it off by talking about apples. Apples are a very important ingredient this month, and as uh, evidenced in our Amish apple dumplings. You don't want to just choose any apple in there. You really need to be careful with your baking apples. So Andrea, do you have any advice for us about the best baking apples? Well, I don't know that I have advice. I have opinions, though, <laughs> as usual. That's just good. Um, yeah. First of all, I have to admit something that's a little bit embarrassing, which is that I rarely make apple pie because I'm not actually a huge baked apple fan. Okay. So I will make it for people that request it, but if I was making something for my family, it would it would be much further down the list. Um, but I went to an event a couple of years ago called an Apple Affair, and it was out on Steamboat Island, which is near my home in Olympia, and they had 60 different tasting stations of old-fashioned, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. think about like heritage tomatoes. These were like heritage apples. Yep. They're apples that... Very few growers are producing anymore. And it was so much fun. And uh, I looked back at kind of my notes I had made on that particular event, and I did bake some pies after that. So I had written down that um, one of my most favorite from that event was called the Spitzenberg. Oh. And the thing that I thought was really cool about that is that it is said to be Thomas Jefferson's favorite apple. Well. So. A little, a little toss back in history. Um, when you're looking for a baking apple, you want something that is both sweet and tart and that has a flesh that doesn't break down in the oven. And um, I personally use a lot of Honeycrisp and Fuji. Yes. 
Those are two of my favorite eating apples. And I always feel like if it's a good eating apple, it's a good baking apple. Okay. Because to me, good eating apples are both sweet and tart. Okay. And I can't, I can't stand a mealy apple. Like I would rarely eat a red delicious apple because of that. And that I would never bake with a red delicious apple. Right, right. Um, I also found a new one. My local co-op is really good about buying apples, again, from local farms, so they're not widely produced. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I got one, and I unfortunately, I didn't write down the name of it. It was something like Sanka or Saska, and it was small. It was green. It was so delicious, and so um, I was really enjoying that particular one. And then when I was looking, when I was trying to find the name of this Sanka or Saska Apple. I was, you know, Googling around and checking it out. And I found that um, everyone in the Apple world right now in Washington is talking about a new Apple that's going to be coming out in 2019. And it's called the Cosmic Crisp. Ooh. And they're <laughs> out of planting this world. it in Washington. I know. They're planting it in Washington State right now. So it's a cross between the Enterprise Apple and the Honeycrisp Apple. And it says that it's going to be large, juicy, and firm, sweet, and tart. And so, yeah, this is really exciting. This is a a project from the Washington Washington State University. And they're the same people who came up with the Honeycrisp Apple, which is one of my absolute favorite apples in the world. And so um, this is sort of a child of the Honeycrisp, but that's why they kept the crisp name and the Cosmic Crisp. That's a cool so, name. Very excited to see that um, come on the horizon in 2019. So we have to wait a while, but it's something to look forward to. I'll be back in Seattle. We can have a celebration of the Cosmic Crisp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what are you able to find as far as apples go over in your newly adopted home of London? So there are several overlapping apples that are kind of, I think, um, cultivated internationally. And two of my favorites I'm still able to find here. I love Braeburn apples and Gala apples for uh, baking. I like that combination. They're both, um, the Braeburn is a little spicier almost, crisper, and the Gala is a little bit sweeter. And I think they're a really nice complement. If I'm doing something like a pie, I often will mix my apples for that very reason that I, I just oh, yes. find that it's um, it's just gives a depth of flavor that I really like. Sometimes the color is a little different even for like a sauce if you're doing an applesauce something like that so very happy to see those um, I also just thought it was cute. I did some research on English apples, and one that they are excited about here is a cameo apple. Um, that's been grown. It was cultivated in Washington State and has made its way here finally. So I just thought that was um, a nice shout-out to our home state that it's now being grown here to much fanfare. Um, I think one thing I really love about heritage apples and the English apples in general and, and these are more apples you would find at like a farmer's market, not necessarily in, in like a larger grocery store. But I love the names. They are so poetic. And and so I just wrote down a few. I don't have really any experience with these yet, but I hope to find them for different reasons. Um, the first is called Laxton's Fortune. There's a bunch of apples with Pippin in the name. So there's Red Pippin, St. Edmund's Pippin, and then probably one you've heard is Cox's Orange Pippin. Um, oh, yes. One I'm very eager to find is that called an English Spartan. And the reason is because it is almost purple. It is so deep maroon that it looks, the pictures I've seen look purple. And that just sounds gorgeous to me. Um, there's two with great names that have what is described as a strawberry-like essence. And that's the uh, Worcester Pearmain and the Lord Lamborn. 
Oh my gosh. Um, and so the one that I've been using the most, which is by far, in fact, I think something I read said that 95% of cooking apples sold are in England, cultivated and sold in England are called a Bramley apple. And for good reason. They're one of those apples that just won't win any beauty pageants. They're kind of big and lumpy and knobbly, and they have the most fantastic flavor. I've bought some commercially prepared Bramley applesauce. I highly... Uh, want to to make my own applesauce with this apple. And so these are the ones I'm going to use uh, in my apple dumpling and as baking season unfolds. Um, in fact, their slogan is the British baking apple. So they have a motto. They are just clearly like oh. head and shoulders above above any other. Really a favorite here. So yeah, I'm looking I forward to that. I would love it if you would post a picture of that one to our Facebook group because I don't think I've ever seen a Bramley apple. It'd be fun to see that. That's yeah, a green skin, and then it just looks mm-hmm. um, knobbly. Yeah, just like really big and okay. you know, only yeah. a face only a mother could love, but big and lumpy. but is so delicious. So. <laughs> Well, listeners, we would love it if you would share some of your favorite variety of apples with us. So we'll put a post on our Facebook group and feel free to chime in and let us know what you like. A couple of other things we'd love your help with. Our anniversary is fast approaching, and so we would love to know which preheated recipe you've most enjoyed during our first year of shows. Was it our bread and butter pudding with caramel whiskey butter sauce from episode 19? Or the... <laughs> or the outrageous totally biscoff pie from episode 14. Drop us a line at host at preheatedpodcast.com or post on our Facebook group. And uh, just a note and too, one, Andrea, yeah. I think that, you know, it's not necessary that you've maybe made them. Um, if you have, all the better. But if it's just something that's like in your list of things to try or you just really liked us talking about or the fun we had with it, we, please let us know that as well. That still counts. Yes, absolutely. Whatever you most enjoyed, and we define the word enjoyed very broadly. (laughs) There you go. Yes. Um, The other thing we'd love your help on is uh, with a little contest that's coming up. So Preheated has been nominated in King 5's Best of Western Washington contest in the podcast category. And if you have a moment, we would love for you to cast your vote for us. So if you go to king5.com slash best and find the arts and entertainment category, you'll see podcast in there and you can vote for us. So we would really appreciate that. If you would take a moment um, this week and do that for us. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get to the dishes. Next week, we'll continue our fall festival theme with pumpkin donuts that don't require a deep fryer. And the globe-trotting gourmet will be back with some dessert highlights from France, Italy, and Germany. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, and you can download us on Google or Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you subscribed to the show and gave us a five-star review, both of which will help others find us. One of the best reviews I saw this week, I wanted to say thanks to Passion Purveyors, who wrote the most poetic iTunes review I've ever heard. It said, Andrea and Stefan make your heart beat slow and your mind lay low while listening to their banter about bakes. A great podcast for when you have a short drive but need a long pick-me-up. Oh, so thank you thank so you. much. That is so heartwarming. 
That's such a great review. So we really appreciate uh, when people take the time to do that. And I just so enjoyed seeing that one. And I thought you would enjoy hearing it as well, Stefan. Oh, I love that. Oh, thank you. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.